attention, please. This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive 3 until 6 p.m. weekdays on the Sports Hub. I love it. It's brilliant. Tired of hearing that North Carolina isn't getting enough credit or attention. They are a number one seed, yet that hasn't stopped Tar Heel fans from telling me this week, and really throughout the entire year, that they're somehow the most overlooked team in the country. I don't think that's true because they're not even the most overlooked team Roy Williams has had in recent years, at least not yet. That title belongs to the 2015-2016 team. Not the one that cut down nets in Phoenix. The one that got beat at the buzzer by Chris Jenkins. After all, they were still under the NCAA cloud at that point. They were not getting top recruits that Duke and Kentucky were getting. Their best players were upperclassmen. Kennedy Meeks, Marcus Page, Bryce Johnson. The latter two were not on that 2017 national title uh, team. So a lot of people had doubts about them. The reason North Carolina is not getting more attention than teams they view to be just as good as they are, but getting more attention in their mind, is because all the attention's been going to Zion Williamson, and he's been attracting a lot of the oxygen. Also, Virginia, the season that they're having after a a historic NCAA tournament collapse a year ago, They've been getting more attention there. But really, this is about Duke. North Carolina feels like they beat Duke twice. They should be getting equal attention. When really, the attention Duke's getting isn't about Duke. It's about Zion Williamson. So the two reasons why North Carolina isn't getting enough credit in the minds of their fans and in the minds of some of the players, we saw Nasir Little voice that after the first Duke game, it's because of Virginia It's because of Zion Williamson, and they're both in the same conference as North Carolina. Roy Williams doesn't feel like this year's team is overlooked in comparison to that 2015-2016. Here was Coach Williams talking about the subject and the idea of being overlooked yesterday. Uh, Because Bryce and Marcus were so good with that team, you know, and I didn't think that those guys, when we won the regular season, uh, I don't... And I'm not like, not uh, agreeing with you or disagreeing with you. Excuse me. I don't remember using the word overlooked, but I do had to, I did have that feeling that nobody's really given us much credit. At this year, I, for some reason, I've never even had that thought. I really haven't. And somebody asked me at the radio show last night or something, but Zion and uh, what he's done at Duke. I mean, it's it's been remarkable what he's done. There had been many guys like that to come down the road. And so what he's, the attention he's gotten, I think he's deserved. I mean, uh, every time he's played, the other teams aim their whole defense to try to stop him. North Carolina doesn't deserve the amount of attention Duke's getting because North Carolina doesn't have Zion Williamson. It's not about level of success on the floor. Otherwise, we'd be hearing about Gonzaga just as much, or Tennessee, or Kentucky, or Michigan State. I'm sure... Local radio shows in all of those markets are losing their mind. Fans of those teams are losing their minds, asking, why isn't our team getting as much attention as Duke's getting? The answer 
you don't have Zion Williamson. It's that simple. It's not about how good your team is. So North Carolina, they're not an overlooked basketball team. Everybody in the country feels overlooked. All the great teams feel overlooked because of how Zion Williamson has absorbed all the oxygen in the room. In a normal year, we would be talking about North Carolina just as much as Duke and Gonzaga and Michigan State. But when you look at the television ratings this past weekend and see that the numbers have jumped precipitously in the times that Zion Williamson's playing, really just the tournament altogether, with Zion in it, that is the direct resource. That is the direct reason. It's not about gambling. It's not about the games being better. The games were worse last weekend. There were less upsets last weekend, yet the ratings went up. Why? What's the thing that's different? It's Zion Williamson. So stop it, Tar Heel fans. North Carolina is getting just enough attention. They're not being overlooked. This is not the 2015-2016 team, a team that was also a one seed but wasn't getting enough credit because of the NCAA cloud and the fact they didn't have top players such as Kobe White and Desir Little. This is different. It's different because Zion Williamson plays for Duke. He's the one that's getting the attention. He's the reason why North Carolina isn't getting as much as we're used to them getting when they have this type of team on the floor. Desmond Johnson is the producer of this program. Taking your calls at 336-777-1600. You could also tweet the show at Sports Hub Triad. The drive brought to you in part by our friends at Pie Guys Pizza and more. Available in Clemens and only Clemens. Kinnaman Village Commons right off of Louisville Clemens Road. Order online, pieguys.com. Dine in, take out delivery. Try the Graham Slam Pizza. If you haven't tried it already, it's our pizza. Texas Pete Base with chicken and bacon on top. It's available in 12, 14, or 16-inch pies. Yes, this. Um, I, I like the fact that you try, that you phrase that as if Carolina fans are not aware that it's Zion that's sucking the air out of the room for not just Carolina but fans, but all of college basketball. It. They do seem to feel like that they deserve more credit or more attention than they're getting. I was there. I was there after the first Duke game. Because I felt like we, even with Zion not on the floor, we still did something that we hadn't done in Cameron in a very, very long time, and that was win by 16 points. So regardless of who was out there in Duke uniforms, they still showed up, suited up, and were out there to play. Now, a lot of this goes back to the preseason. A lot of this in the preseason, this Duke team, I don't know if you remember or not, but this Duke team as a whole was hyped to be on the same level as 1990 UNLV, the Fab Five, like 2015-2015. That hype lasted two weeks until they lost the Gonzaga game. And even then, it's still kind of, can they beat the, uh, the nobody, Cleveland Cavaliers? Nobody like, all was that saying stuff was there. Cleveland. Nobody was saying UNLV until after the Kentucky game. It was a two-week Which stretch game one. from the Kentucky game and game one, two weeks later, losing on Black Friday. My, that was the stretch. My point being, I, for me personally, I got over that after game one because I saw how the media was going to treat it. I mean, regardless of if Carolina won by 16 or won by one, the story was Zion and his busted foot and his sprained knee, and that dominated the headlines the day after. That's where, if you're hearing Carolina fans complaining about it, it started there. You know, Carolina fans typically don't care what Duke's doing until they see each other. But Also, to defend the media, rightfully so. The shoe, we have never seen anything like that. Right, I'm not taking anything away from that. I'm just explaining to you why Carolina fans might be coming on that angle. Because they, right. do, they do have a gripe. They did finish first in the ACC, and no one picked them, except for me. 
and no one else and in the National League did that. Brown, who's on this he show. He did. He did as well, and I was very thankful. And I told him that, uh, that you know, you're one of the few besides me that I could think of that See, even picked I never them to hear do these, this. I never hear these phone calls that go on behind the scenes. Oh, there's That's, a lot going on. <laughs> he answers the calls at 336-777-1600. He talks to the guests before they get on the air. I don't know what's being discussed. Even if we have Tar Heel guests, I like the picture. If we have Marvin Williams on the phone or we have Theo Penson or whoever, that you're just saying right before they go in the air, by the way, you're awesome. <laughs> or or it's like the old Chris <laughs> no, Farley show. It's like the Chris <laughs> Farley show. Hey, Theo, remember that time you, you got that pass and in, no, the, in, in the national title game you I, dunked it home? I don't really get starstruck uh, anymore. Uh, that, that was awesome. <laughs> but uh, for Carolina fans, though, what I'll say to help you get through this, just keep in mind, we are two wins away from our third Final Four in four seasons. I don't you care. Are? I don't care if they're, yeah, we, we, the Carolina family. That's the team. That's the faculty. That's the that's fan Desmond base. Johnson. That's everyone. Yes. We are You're two wins away. You're going to hang a banner in the studio? We ride with them, man. If they fall, we fall. If they, they succeed, we succeed with them. And, for, that is the we in the control room. Not, not <laughs> no, yeah, we, you are not included. Not you're, we you're not in the in law offices no. of Timothy D. Wellborn. <laughs> but just keep that in mind. We're two wins away. If you're looking for some sort of pat on the back or something, let's just go finish the job. Let's finish it, and then they won't have anything to talk about except for the national champion, and hopefully that's Carolina. I do expect North Carolina to beat Auburn later this week. It just feels like Auburn's strengths play right to North Carolina's strengths. It's fast pace, shoot a ton of threes, North Carolina, they are probably the most fast, t- uh, the most fast-paced team among the top teams in the country, and they're one of Roy Williams' best three-point shooting teams. They have three hundred and five threes on the year. I think they need one more to be the most threes that Roy Williams has had to make the most threes of any Roy Williams North Carolina team. Here's the only thing: even though Auburn's not a great rebounding team, and that's something Roy really prides his teams in, or Roy's teams really pride themselves in, uh, it's going to come down to whoever makes more threes. While North Carolina has hit 305 this year, which is a lot by their standards, Auburn has hit over 400 this year. So if North Carolina goes cold from three and Auburn does not, it's a simple math game. Auburn, there is a scenario they can run North Carolina off the floor. Now, I don't suggest, I don't think that's going to happen because that that doesn't really happen often (laughs) with North Carolina. They don't shoot well from three. But when you advance through this tournament and you're playing in bigger venues, Sometimes the shooting might not be there. And if the shooting's not there for one team and it is for the other, weird things can happen in this tournament. Uh, you know, I, I'm past the point of thinking any team's going to run Carolina off the floor. If Duke couldn't do it and Carolina shot four for 27 for three, I sincerely this doubt that This is the type that of game, Luke, though, with just the pace and the style of play. If one team's running fast and hitting threes and the other is not, the score can just get spread out and snowball very quickly one way or the other. Uh, a friend sent me a link to a great article on sportsillustrated.com right now about Carolina and how they're basically playing the fastest that any of Roy Williams' teams have ever played. They came out of the first weekend of the tournament ranked sixth in Kim Palm's adjusted tempo and eighth in adjusted offensive efficiency. There's only two other teams in the top 20, and that's Buffalo and Duke, and they're not in the top 10. Nerds. Like, Carolina's figured this out. Nerds. Nerd stats. Just an offensive. Hey, nerds tell me about the offensive. World. Tell me about <laughs> offensive rebound percentage. That's what I want to hear. Offensive rebound efficiency. I believe Carolina's towards the top. Yes, two they're in the very good at that. Too. Yeah. They're very good at that. Nasir Little is going to be key too, and apparently Nasir Little has a nickname. It is Philosopher Nas. That's his name. Apparently, he's into some really deep stuff. Roy Williams. 
he doesn't really strike me as a deep guy. But he was asked about it at a press conference yesterday, and the results were very interesting. Coach, I've heard the word uh, philosopher Nas kind of tossed around a little bit. What, what, is, what, what does that mean specifically? What kind of, what kind of person is getting you off the court? And what goes into that nickname? Yeah. I've never heard that nickname. <laughs> no, so I have no freaking idea what you're talking about. So it's uh, – <laughs> he's – yeah, ask them. I'm, he's extremely bright. I mean, academically, he's done a great job. He's done as good a job as, as anybody we've ever had coming in on the academic side. But, uh, no, I, I haven't talked too, too much about how Nasir Little and Kierkegaard, what they have in common. I, uh, I haven't, haven't asked him about his favorite philosopher. <laughs> I did not expect Kierkegaard to be referenced by Roy Williams today. I do love just that as a drop. Anytime we get into a place, things get wonky, hot takes are thrown around that Desmond Johnson disagrees with, things that I say that he doesn't like, just firing right back at me, Roy Williams giving us this this following drop. I have no freaking idea what you're talking about. Yeah. So it's There it is. Here's what I want to do though. When I think philosophers, I think deep people. When I think deep people, I think poetry. At one time, I used to be the charming guy who wrote po- poems for girls. You ever, were you ever that guy? Were you ever king of the woo-woo-woo writing poetry for women? I was so, actually, I'm about to reveal a secret here. I was so good at it, my friends would come to me and have me write things do for the still, girls they liked. Do you yeah. still have some of these poems? I do. I do okay, can you dig up one of them? And share it on the air with us? That I probably can't do. Let's see if we can do that later on in the show. In fact, here's what we can do. Let's write some haikus. Maybe some slam poetry. Haikus? Yeah. Some North Carolina haikus. Okay. Some North Carolina slam poetry. And we'll do that later on in the show. You got to remind me the the measures for the haikus. I think it's it's five, seven, five. Okay. I thought that's what it was. Five, seven, five is a haiku. (laughs) We're going back to third grade today. (laughs) Because it's a Wednesday, and people are manufacturing content because there's nothing else going on. So, haikus, slam poetry, North Carolina basketball. Heck, maybe some of Dez's old love poems that he wrote. It worked, too. I should have charged. It does work. We'll do that later on. Coming up, though, why no instant replay is better than more instant replay. This is The Drive. Let's begin. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. You're on the drive with Josh Graham, the The Sports Sports Hub, at AM 600, AM 920. Congratulations to our winner of four Merle Fest tickets. Next month, April 25th through the 28th, we'll be giving away a family four-pack of tickets to Merle Fest each and every week between now and then. Certainly excited for that show. Darren Gant from ProFootballTalk.com, that festival in Wilkesboro every single year that I personally have never attended, but I'm excited for next month with the Avett brothers and Brandy Carlisle and Amos Lee, among others, attending. Darren, in addition to being a football expert we like talking to, we also talk to him about music as well because he's been to a lot of shows and has great taste in music. Didn't you go to Merle Fest once upon a time, Darren? Thanks for being here, by the way. 
many, many moons ago, many moons ago, the, the memories are a little hazy, but uh, yes, when I was a younger man, it's a fantastic thing. And, you know, actually my best family Merle Fest story is not even mine, it's my daughters. We had some friends who were roadies and, and who worked those shows a lot of times, and they took my daughter and one of her friends, you know, when they were probably six years old, took them to Merle Fest, and they were sitting around, and um, our friend Heather dropped them off so she could go to the bathroom and she parked them on the steps of a stage and said you two sit right here until i get back don't go anywhere and when she comes back she says everything all right these days are like yeah some old man came by and talked to us and he had a funny accent and they said what do you mean and they said well he was some old guy with kind of long hair and then a little bit later when robert plant goes up on stage with allison Krauss, they were like him it was that guy he said hi to us so, yeah, my daughter, when she was six, met Robert Plant at Merle Fest. How jealous was Dad? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. She comes home, she's like, hey, guess who I met? And I was like, who? Thinking it was some friend from across the street. Robert Plant. Really? What? <laughs> so, no, it was good. It, it was a great time for them. And, uh, you know, I took her to see Plant and the Space Shifters, uh, gosh, about a year or so ago. And she didn't enjoy it as much. But at, that's, one of those I, that's one of those cards I play as a dad that they'll appreciate down the line. Follow Darren on Twitter, at Darren Gant. Read his stuff, profootballtalk.com. The rule changed today. The NFL, for the first time, allowing for um, referees' calls, uh, pass interference specifically, to be reviewable. Did the NFL have to make this move today? Um, I think they had to do something. I, I think something had to happen. And I'll be honest with you, being out there in Phoenix at the meeting, I'm surprised it came together the way it did. There were owners coming out of meetings uh, at different points yesterday afternoon assuming that they were just going to table everything until the May meeting. And, and what I think happened is the coaches were cohesive. Uh, it was a 32-0 vote of coaches to advance this measure that passed that makes OPI and DPI reviewable and i think the coaches made such a strong presentation that the owners didn't have any choice but to take it seriously after the wrong team advances to the super bowl you've got to do something if you want to continue to talk about the integrity of the game and i think it's good i know a lot of people have a lot of negative knee-jerk reactions oh it's going to take long well you know they didn't add to the number of challenges they just added to the universe of things that could be challenged and i think the the priority was let's take what seems to be a pretty common sense approach to getting things right. And I was actually surprised by it, not just because, you know, we had owners telling us that they didn't think it was going to happen, but that's just not the way the NFL's typically done business. They've been the league that does things slowly and deliberately and often a half a step at a time on their way to the right destination. And, and to come up with this one all at once, I mean, Rich McKay told us at the press conference last night, we made the sausage in a day. And, and that part of it surprised me more than the content of the rule. What do you think is going to be the most consequential thing to come from this rule? I, I know a lot of people are bringing up Hail Marys, for instance, at the end of game. How is this going to affect strategy, if at all? Well, I, I think, if anything, it might make coaches keep one in their pocket a little longer. Uh, you know, Ron Rivera is the king of, of challenging that eight-yard completion in the first quarter sometimes, and, and maybe now that the stakes are a little different, he'll approach that differently. And I think, you know, coaches are going to spend a lot of time this offseason going through some of those scenarios 
you know, and workshopping that kind of stuff out. But I, I do think it will because you've got the chance to challenge what can be a pretty high-impact play. And that was the phrase Rich McKay used last night, you know, you know, these pass interference penalties are the big ones. So it, it's got the chance to be game deciding and game changing. So I, I think it makes sense to, to give those guys that opportunity. And now we'll see what they do with it. I, I think some people will be more judicious with them than others. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of coaches hold these things for, for late game situations, you know, in the fourth quarter, knowing what happened to the Saints could happen to them. Do you feel overall, it sounds like you do, that the pros far outweigh the cons when it comes to replay altogether, where we've headed the last couple of decades? I do, and I tell you what, one of the things that really changed my mind on a lot of this stuff replay-related was looking at some of the numbers from the CFL. In the CFL, you're able to challenge pass interference. You're able to challenge a lot more stuff. Uh, but you only have the one opportunity to do it. So they're still playing games in under three hours. They're still getting calls right. And that's the ultimate, you know, responsibility of people, especially. And, you know, the NFL was hesitant to, you know, nudge this or poke at this particular bear. But with the league embracing gambling, with the league understanding that that's the next big revenue stream, they couldn't take the chance at an integrity to game issue coming up um, any more than it did in the NFC Championship game. So I think it was something they had to do. Darren Gant for ProFootballTalk.com is with us here. You are listening to the Sports Hub. You can follow Darren on Twitter, at Darren Gant. I'm, I'm interested in what you make of what we've seen so far with the AAF. Is there anything you've seen in the league, aside from the tweets that Eminem, Marshall Mathers, sent earlier in the week promoting having fighting in football in the AAF, Things that you like that you've seen on the television broadcast, maybe even with the replay, having it known what's being discussed, the microphones used there, things that you like in that league that you would like to see adopted in the NFL. Uh, I think one of the things that I that I really like, and I like it as a dish league, as a chance to try out all the stuff that you don't want to uh, experiment with in an NFL game when you know millions and millions of people are watching. Um, things like Sky Judge, I, I think to me that's another one of those common sense things. I've always said I, I think the game needs fewer officials on the field instead of more and more centralized control of that replay. And if somebody, somebody who's looking at a high-def TV screen has got a better shot of getting it right than eight guys on the field running around with the greatest athletes on the planet. So, um, from that standpoint, I mean, to me, Sky Judge is probably the one, you know, easy answer to that thing. But I think it's a lot of the little stuff. I mean, the fourth and 15 conversion instead of an onside kick, that that proposal went down because I think, you know, again, as we talk about with the NFL, it's still a very traditional league. John Mara stands there the other day and says, what are we, the Arena League? And he wasn't saying that as a compliment. I mean, the, the NFL, there's an arrogance and an inertia about that league that – comes into play in a lot of these decisions and i and i think the aaf is a is a chance to experiment safely and freely almost without consequence i mean nothing against the guys playing in the game but you know i haven't really remembered who wins these particular games when i watch and i don't know the records or the stats or anything like that it's just kind of a a casual football product for me but it's a free pass to experiment and i think that's what the league as they eventually and i think ultimately formalize some kind of agreement uh with the aaf i think they'll do more and more of 
Des, intern Aaron, how how is our San Diego fleet doing? Because ever since we said that was going to be our team, we haven't followed any of their games. Have you watched one game, Des? No, I have not. Intern Aaron, have you watched one San Diego fleet game? Uh, no, I haven't watched. No, he hasn't watched one at all. Okay, well, That's I have the one either. with Mike Martz, right? Um, yeah, I think it is Mike Martz. Okay, there you go. Yeah, Mike Mike Martz is on that team, and they have cool colors, and they're in San Diego, so we're supposed to be a fan of theirs. But anyway, we haven't watched any of their games. Speaking to your point, but. Uh, I'm at, we were, I was going through a couple teams today, pretty much the entire league actually, looking at teams, barring injury, I know are going to be good versus I know they're going to be bad. I think the secret sauce to the NFL is there's a lot of teams in the middle where you have two-thirds of the league that seems pretty airtight. They could be in the mix and their fan bases be excited that they could make the playoffs, though, and they feel like they have a shot at winning the Super Bowl if they get in at that point, and teams that are kind of on the fringe of the playoffs and teams that feel pretty comfortable even though we will not identify them as a great team. And all I could come up with is three teams are three teams that I know to be good and three I know to be bad, the good teams being the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Saints, and the bad being the Cardinals, the Dolphins, and the Giants. Disagree with any of the three being in those groups? Is there anything you'd like to add to those lists? Um, well, I think, you know, again, the, the larger point you made is the salient one. I mean, the NFL is designed to push everybody to the middle. And, you know, if you catch a couple breaks, you can go 7-9 and nine, or you can go 9-7 and seven and be on the fringe of the playoffs without being a terribly different team. So, you know, that's the way the NFL is built on purpose, to give all these people a chance. But, yeah, I, I don't think and, – and I was standing there yesterday – with Brian Flores, bless his heart, who was talking about how much he hates the concept of tanking and doesn't like that everybody keeps talking about tanking, but that's what they're doing. If you make a conscious choice to start Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback, you're not trying to win football games, or at least not very many of them. And so uh, they're obviously going to be bad. I think it's going to be a minute before the Cardinals, as you said. I don't think Cincinnati is going to be very good. This year, but again, those are those are teams, and Cincinnati's a team. I mean, Marvin Lewis, I think, overachieved for a long time, and people haven't given him enough credit. But yeah, I think they're going to struggle. But I, I think right now, some of those obvious ones throw the Bucks in there. I, I don't think the Buccaneers are going to be terribly good either, even though I think Bruce Arians is a very good coach. So, um, you know, some of those are kind of off the top of the head. The Raiders. Uh, even after adding Antonio Brown, I'm I'm not convinced. I don't. I just don't see that as being a high functioning NFL thing. Darren, always appreciate your insight. If you if you need a, a hookup for Merle Fest, let me know. Even though I know it's NFL Draft Weekend. Yeah, that makes that makes Merle Fest tough. But I've got high water coming up in two weeks down in uh, Charleston. That's going to be a good one. We'll Beyond get bridges hitting the. Head in the heart, shovels and rope, many of the favorites. I love Leon Bridges. So next time we chat, we'll have to talk NFL draft, and we'll also talk about uh, high water. You got it. We'll talk to you soon, Josh. That's Darren Gamp from ProFootballTalk.com. Follow him on Twitter at Darren. This is the Sports Hub. Are you ready? At AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. This segment is probably the most discussed, controversial segment we do every single week. It is the weekly top ten list. When I went to ACC, uh, the ACC tournament in Charlotte, I had three or four people walk up to me saying, what's up with the top ten list that you do? And we get phone calls, 
from people who don't understand it. And that's what happens when our audience is growing in real time. We constantly have to tell people what we're doing. So it's not all an inside joke. I want this to be an inclusive show, not an exclusive show. So essentially, it is my top 10 scary movies, but it's not just a list of 10 scary movies. There tends to be wordplay in here. Desmond Johnson and intern Aaron try to guess what's going to be on the list. Every single time we do these top 10 lists, our mentions get filled with people who are upset that there's things not on the top 10. I'm still puzzled by the people who believe things should be ranked higher and they get fired up about that. Intern Aaron, your microphone is on. Got it. His hat just hit the microphone. He was unbeknownst to intern Aaron. So that's what we're doing here. I think that's the best way to explain it. It is my top 10 scary movies. It's in honor of a movie that scared me earlier this week because I don't do well with scary movies. The Jordan Peele horror flick Us. Let's get to the top 10. Top 10 scary movies. Let the music sink right into your veins. Number 10. (laughs) Do you guys have any guesses for what's going to be on this list? I have not a clue. I haven't written anything down. I have no idea where you're going today. Send your guesses in at Sports Hub Triad on Twitter. Number 10. My number 10 favorite scary movie. Silence of Jeremy Lamb. Okay, now I think I know where you're going. <laughs> Does anybody have a good Anthony Hopkins impression from that movie? Hello, Paris. <laughs> Just leave it at that. Don't oh, add anything no. more I'm to finished. that. That's all you no, needed. No a very good, limited Anthony Hopkins. Let me hear it one more time. Hello, Clarice. <laughs> number nine. My number nine scary movie, The Texas Two Chains Massacre. All right, I can see why you like this list. This is this starting out hot fire. You're Dylon right now. Off the air, me and Des were discussing. I like this list a lot. Well, usually when you like the list, they're not that good. That's fact. <laughs> I really do like this list. <laughs> number eight, my number eight favorite scary movie, Jaws. I mean, <laughs> it's a classic. I assume you're talking uh, uh, Ron Jaworski. Jaworski? I can't even say his last <laughs> yes. name. Jaws. That's Jaws. why everybody calls him Jaws. Yeah. Jaws. Uh, former, I'm glad you got that. Yeah, former quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's mm-hmm. see what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. I'm here for it. Okay. Number seven. Let's see if you catch on to this one. Oh, God. My number seven scary movie, The Cabin in the Seventh Woods. Now see why I now understand why you had like three notepads and took a lot of time planning the show. I bet you spent the majority of time on this list. A lot of red ink. <laughs> this this list maybe took me way too much time. You today. see, I'm like in the corner, like no, that's not good enough. I'm like scribbling it out, and like writing like another one in. <laughs> Outsourcing content to other people. Hey, what do you think of this one? What ideas do you have? What's this Texting for? Texting other nothing, radio nothing. hosts across the country. Hey, what do you think about this? Is this funny? Number six. My number six scary movie, D'Angelo Halloween. You might, you might. I'm not going to jinx it. I'm not going to jinx it. God, he was such a pest, that D'Angelo Halloween. <laughs> Stabbing people. <laughs> the nerd. 
<laughs> nerve of this guy. Him and Steve Smith going at it. <laughs> number five. My number five scary movie. Children of the Corn Bread Maxwell. I mean, it's in the same vein as the rest of them, right? It just doesn't feel right. I know, it doesn't. The judges are conferring. Just hold on a moment. Oh, I'm, defer- I'm, I'm deferring to you on this oh, one. Oh, man, don't do that to me. Yeah. Almost want to... ah, I'm going to give it to you because it was in the same vein as the rest of them, but you, you probably could have done better. Who's the best athlete to come from Kenston? Is it Stackhouse, Cornbread? It isn't Reggie Bullock. Brandon uh, Ingram? Nah, Jerry Stackhouse. By far. More than cornbread. Jerry Stack. I watched Jerry Stackhouse dunk on four dudes from uh, VMI one day in the Greensboro Coliseum. Here's the best Jerry Stackhouse story I have. A couple years ago, went to Kenston High. He's there. He's getting recognized. I was told he was ready to do an interview. He knew that I was coming, and we were going to chat about his career and being back in Kenston and fun things like that. Where is he? Oh, he's in the coach's office. Okay. So I walked to the coach's office. There's Jerry Stackhouse. He is leaned back in a chair and has both of his feet on the table smoking a cigar like he's Red Auerbach. And I said, Mr. Stackhouse? He goes, who the bleep are you? <laughs> I said, uh, I'm the reporter that you, that, you know, supposed to talk to and such. He, he apparently did not know that he was talking to me, but he did anyway, and... After that, everything went fine. Please see, that's Jerry Stackhouse for you. At least he acknowledged you were there. Yes. He, he could have just ignored you in the doorway. No, he, he didn't ignore me. <laughs> and he was quite interested that I was there. Where were we? Number four. Oh. My number four Wait. scary movie. Oh, let's set the table here. Have you had a buzzer yet? No. I don't think he has. Well, I mean, you don't recognize it while it's happening. I mean, you don't say ah. that somebody ah. is throwing a no-no in the middle of it. Had to keep up. My number four scary movie is Freddy vs. Jason, Kid. <laughs> like I'd the, watch that movie. The suspense level in here after each one you say. You wouldn't watch Freddy <laughs> Krueger go head-to-head, one-on-one with Jason Kidd? Dude, I saw a video of Jason Kidd at Cal yesterday. It is insane how much he looked like Lonzo Ball. That wouldn't be fun. Like, I mean, literally. Jason Kidd play one-on-one with Freddy Krueger because Freddy Krueger would just stick one of his knife hands into the basketball Game and over. it would all be over and then he'd kill Jason Kidd. Yeah, that'd be... Number three! <laughs> what? My number three scary movie. Nightmare on Franklin Street. It's a reach, but I'll give it to you. Nightmare Aaron would not have. <laughs> Aaron, would, Aaron does not look like he approved of that one at all. Number two. <laughs> my number two scary movie. <laughs> the Dewan Blair Witch Project. Oh, my God. That was actually pretty good. It is pretty good. <laughs> I almost want to buzz it because it's kind of corny, but. That's the best <laughs> one on the list. Dewan Blair. The Dewan. That is visually very funny. The Dewan Blair Witch Project. <laughs> I'd watch that movie just because I know it's going to be bad. It would be a historically awful movie. It would be right there with The Room. You're killing me, Lisa. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. Number one. My number one scary movie. Michelle Beetlejuice. Wow. Clean sweet. <laughs> 
I don't know how you were able to do this. It's never happened in the history of this show. No, that's twice. No, that's twice. You were on some kind of insane streak. You've gone 20 entries now without a buzzer. How do you feel? I, I expect it. I go in, and I think these lists are good, and I pour a lot of time into these lists. I expect the win. Woke up feeling dangerous. Right. Did you guys have anything that you missed, or did you not write anything at all? I got one. What you got? Um, Hill Rajon Rondo. Wow. Dracula was on the outside looking in. <laughs> I don't like either one of those. <laughs> you don't like Hill Rajon Rondo? Chapel Hill has eyes. Uh, <laughs> that one's a little. That one's a little better. That just missed it. Tory Holton guys. No, no, that's yeah. That was, see, you're getting better at leaving the ones off that didn't need to be on there. It's like you've almost figured out the game. Let me see if I can check the text very quick. <laughs> the X Men versus pretty bad. No, no, that's from the listeners. Yeah, these uh. these are the ones I'm getting. From the listeners, Nightmare on Houston Street. Pitcher named Houston Street. Nas, Baratu. This is a TV show, but I really like this one. The Haunting of Grant Hill's House. <laughs> it just sounds like. <laughs> I really like that. That's one of the best ones I've gotten. Sounds on. like Grant Hill has like pest problems yeah, or something. Just, like he's got the Zioning. The Zioning? The Zioning? Is that off The Shining or The con- the Conjuring? Either way, it's I would still say The Shining. <laughs> Either way, it doesn't work. Heel Razor? Some of these are really bad. They're like not Wellington Mara Normal Activity. <laughs> what? Really? That's why you have a radio show, Josh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Sift through some of the bad ones. Usually here. the audience gives ones that are super good. Well, these have not been. No. <laughs> well, usually I read the good ones, and I, I don't read the bad ones. But do you? At Sports Hub Triad, this segment's controversial. If You know, I'll put it up to the people. Remember the last time we did this where we were questioning whether or not having listeners on the spot answer a trivia question is the way we should go and giving away prizes? Universally, people said, we love it. It's entertaining. It also gives people a fair shot. Right. How are we feeling about the top ten list? This isn't a democracy. I just want to hear what you say. What do you What do you mean? Like, how do we do? We like it? Do we not? Right. Like it? Do you, Do you like the top ten list? I I will. I'm not, not lie. asking you. I'm asking the audience. Oh well, three, I can three, give you six, my opinion anyway. Three three six like. seven 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 one six hundred. We could do this in a second. <laughs> is what I'm saying, Dad. All right, all right. I'll That's hold how radio it in. works. Where we have I'll, clocks and stuff. I'll, I'll hold it in. Three three six seven 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 one six hundred. Your thoughts on the top ten list? We've got UNC poetry that we're going to do in a little bit. C.L. Brown from The Athletic will be with us to talk about the Sweet 16 coming up. This is a Wednesday drive. Ready whenever you are. You're on the drive with Josh Graham. Now, the The Sports Sports Hub Hub. at AM 600, AM 920. C.L. Brown, National College basketball writer with The Athletic, will join us in just a little bit. This is something we've been working on the entire show today. Getting to this point where we've prepared some poems, some haikus, 
for UNC basketball because we learned that Nasir Little has a nickname around the Tar Heel basketball program. Apparently, his nickname is Philosopher Nas. People behind the scenes know that. The one person who wasn't clued in on the nickname in that program was the head coach of the Tar Heels, Roy Williams, which led to a very memorable, humorous, you can attach your own adjective to what you find this clip to be. Yesterday, this is from his press conference when a reporter asked Roy about Philosopher Nas. Coach, I've heard the word uh, philosopher Nas kind of tossed around a little bit. What, what, is, what, what does that mean specifically? What, what kind of person is getting off the court? And what goes into that nickname? I've never heard that nickname. <laughs> no, so I have no freaking idea what you're talking about. So it's... Uh, <laughs> he's, yeah, ask them. I'm, he's extremely bright. I mean, academically, he's done a great job. He's done as good a job as, as anybody we've ever had coming in on the academic side. But... Uh, no, I I haven't talked to too much about how Nasir Little and Kierkegaard what they have in common. I, uh, I haven't I haven't asked him about his favorite philosopher. I could listen to Roy Williams for hours talk about Kierkegaard and old time philosophers. Maybe the next press conference, if they get to the final four, we could ask him about uh, Socrates and Plato. See how that goes. Roy Williams press conferences they never disappoint. So when I think philosophers, though, I think deep, introspective people. I also think about poetry for some reason, which led us to a point where we figured out that Desmond Johnson, once upon a time, was a great poetry writer. Me, myself, back in the day. I don't do it as much anymore, write poetry, but that was a way I impressed women at times, writing poetry. I wrote some pretty good poems back a couple years ago. Pretty good at that. So I feel pretty good about these poems that we have here. The ones that I've written the last couple of hours since we came up with this idea earlier in the show. If you have your own UNC haiku that you would like to send in at Sports Hub Triad, you need five syllables on the first line, seven on the second, five on the third line. So it's a five, seven, five type of deal. I also think about slam poetry too where it's quieter, there's this jazz music that plays, and there's there's snapping that happens too as a way to reward the poet when he's finished. Yeah, something like this. Here's what I have on North Carolina. The title of this haiku is Overlooked. <laughs> Roy says to hell with your pity as the heels visit Kansas City. Nas is not little. Luke May will light the way. Roy's boys will not be coy. Pretty good. Well done. Yours seemed more uh, complicated than what I remember haikus being. Uh, That's not a haiku. That was just slam oh, okay. poetry. Okay, you tricked me there a little bit. Right. Do you want to get haiku. to the haikus? Yeah, I've got two haikus. But we don't need the slam poetry music for the haikus. Oh, no. It's kind of getting me in a mood there a little bit. I don't like it. It's kind of, you know, you, you ain't feeling it? I'm not feeling it. No? Not for the haikus. That's usually just for, like, the slam poetry, which is, you talk like this. Yeah. It's very low. That's right, daddy-o. Get things right in the mood here. Here, Here's a haiku for you. The heels will advance. I'd be willing to bet money. But gambling is bad. 
Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. I got one here. All right, Des, what do you got for me? <clears throat> Could you have done the cough thing without the microphone on? No. Anyway, just go. Tar Heels in 16. Auburn makes me laugh real hard. Final four bound, yo. <laughs> My we'll we'll see how intern Aaron does. We'll see if he has that. anything. Here's, here's another haiku I got. Cam Johnson for three. Kobe White leading the break. Heels to the final four. Hey. That's nice. Look at that. I actually had them losing to Kentucky, but still, <laughs> that doesn't sound as good as a five-syllable line at the end of the second haiku. Intern Aaron, give us your best shot. Want this haiku? Yeah, man. I want yeah, right. I just asked you that, for Give it. me that fire. Well, I got I can use some poetry slam music, too, but I give you the haiku. Give, the haiku. Okay, give, give him the poetry let's slam go, music. music He's setting himself up. This better be good. I, I hadn't finished that one yet, so let's just do it with the haiku. Oh, man, and I can do the poetry slam. Okay, okay. Give All us right. some both. <laughs> haiku. Kobe White shot wet. Nasir Little going pro. But he should just stay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I really enjoyed that. I know. That was really good. Pretty good. Uh, I don't know if I want to follow that, but um, I'll go. Roy is the best coach. Nasir likes to read big books. Luke May is your dad. Nasir likes to read big books. Seven souls. Nasir likes I mean, to read is, big but books. Like, he likes to read big books. Okay, fine. He likes he, to read big books. He, That's fair. he likes big books and he cannot lie. Got any more? I'm, I'm glad. Dez should consider himself lucky. He has the controls. He controls the sounds that are played. <laughs> because if anybody else on that show, on this show made that joke, he would not have rewarded it with applause. Oh, really? There's no chance wow. that anybody else other than Dez, who has control of the sounds, gets rewarded with applause with that awful joke. It's really one of the few perks I get. Here is, I'm going to cap it with this. Maybe maybe this works with the music, too. All right. Actually, Intern Aaron said he had one for the music, too. Intern Aaron, since you did a good job at the last one. Yeah, I'm actually Give really me one with hear. the music. Give me, the, <laughs> give me your slam poetry. I don't know why you're doing visual jokes. He just turned the lights off in the control room. Now I can't see you guys. What? Why are you doing this? I can't see you, and the audience can't either. My sky is Carolina blue. You could say it is my favorite hue. Zion flying high. Big scary man gonna dunk. All on my eye. Wow. That was great. Wow. That was that was that was incredible. <laughs> I almost want to make this like a regular weekly segment with just Aaron. Wow. Can you come up with another one of those? Something that's as good as that is to present to CL Brown momentarily. Do you think you can come up with something that's that good? That we can pitch to C.L. Brown to see if he likes when he joins us in just a little bit. UNC themed? Yes. Unquestionably. Okay. We're going to do that. I have one last haiku before we throw it to C.L. Brown. All right. Bring it home. Come on, Cat Daddy. They may have cheated, but I'm sure Roy never knew. Hey. 
The past is the past. C.L. Brown covers college basketball for the Athletic, national college basketball writer. What's the best player comparison for Kobe White? And how can Virginia Tech keep Duke out of the lane? Those are both things we'll discuss with C.L. next. I love talking and conversing with you. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham, the The Sports Sports Hub, at AM 600, AM 920. We're getting a lot of haikus sent in to us. Hashtag UNC haikus. Including this one from Michael. Figure out if this deserves snaps, Des. They always play fast. They don't always play real well. No timeouts out here, though. (laughs) Not bad. Not Not just snaps, but applause. C.L. Brown from The Athletic now with us that you can follow on Twitter at C.L. Brown Hoops. Read his stuff, The Athletic Carolinas. North Carolina and Duke will be in action on Friday. The Sweet 16 tips off tomorrow. C.L., good to have you with us. Do you buy into the notion to start with North Carolina that they're somehow overlooked despite the fact they're a number one seed? Uh, I was waiting, Josh, to see if you were going to put that in a in a haiku question form. But... Um, <laughs> I <laughs> I don't think at this point you can say anybody is really overlooked. Uh, certainly, I think Duke kind of sucked all the oxygen out of the room because of, of Zion fever, Zion mania, however you want to term it. And everybody else after that, it seems like they're not getting uh, talked about, they're not getting respect. I mean, I could make the same argument about Virginia and Gonzaga as number one seed as you can for North Carolina, you know. So uh, at, at this point, I think if if they want to use that as, as some kind of motivation, then, you know, I'd be like, knock yourself out. But I, I don't know that it's necessarily true. I want to spend some time on the two freshmen for North Carolina, starting with Kobe White, because yesterday we were having some fun with Danny Manning, and he, he referenced Roddy Rogers as somebody who – uh, Zion Williamson reminded him of, but when I asked yeah. him about Kobe White, speaking of guys who might be a little bit overlooked by the fact that Zion Williamson's absorbed the the oxygen out of the entire room, at least media wise, he he didn't really. He said he hadn't thought about it in terms of who Kobe reminded him of. But then he arrived measurements wise on Devin Booker. I started thinking about it. Maybe a John Wall as someone who could shoot the three, maybe a little bit better. Maybe a Jamal Crawford type. Who who does Kobe White remind you of? Um, I would stick with Kentucky uh, players and go with De'Aaron Fox. Um, Kobe might shoot it a little better, maybe than he did in in college at Kentucky. But I think uh, the way he can get from point A to point B, you know, faster than than most, um, uh, that they they kind of remind me of each other. But um, plus the hair. I, I don't know that there's a <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't know that there's like you know uh, just a uh, uh, apple and apple comparison for Kobe White. Is the thing that makes him most unique his size, or the fact that he's that fast with the size? Um, I think both. <laughs> I think both because certainly we we have seen smaller guards 
uh, even at you know at Carolina, Ty Lawson comes to mind, who, who uh, were as fast, at least as fast, maybe even a little faster than, than Kobe. But um, none, none have been his height, and and I feel like he can finish the way he finishes in traffic so well because of that height and because you know uh, uh, he's got enough size to kind of absorb some blows. I think that also is something that kind of makes him uh, unique and special. C.L. Brown with us from The Athletic. Read his stuff, theathletic.com, and also follow him on Twitter at C.L. Brown Hoops. Moving it on to Nasir Little, or Philosopher Nas, as we've learned in the last couple of days. In what ways have you noticed Nasir Little grow most since the start of the season in November? Well, I think it, it starts defensively. I think that um, he's better. I still don't. I, I looked at the game the other day. I still don't think he's arrived, um, especially when it comes to uh, identifying uh, who he needs to be defending in transition on defense. But he's still far ahead from where he was at the beginning of the season, where it, it just seemed like he he didn't necessarily grasp the concepts of of what they were trying to do um i think offensively too i think he kind of figured out where his sweet spots are uh within the offense and on the court and he's he's much less likely now than he was at the beginning of the season to kind of try and force the action i think he's he's uh much better at letting letting kind of the game come to him and looking for his shots within the flow of what they're doing duke hasn't been a good three-point shooting team all year long they're ranked near the bottom in the country of Division One at three-point shooting. Yet, even though they shot 40%, they attempted 25 threes against UCF on Sunday night. I, what, what did you see from what UCF did, forcing Duke into being a jump-shooting team a little bit uh, in stretches of that game? And I even saw it a little bit with North Dakota State in the first eight minutes of the game last Friday night. What are teams doing to try and force Duke into taking more jump shots? Well, I think uh, at the beginning of the North Dakota State game, to me, it was it was less their opponent and more just they were settling because I felt like they went into the game thinking as true freshmen playing in their first NCAA tournament, we're number one seed, they're number 16, this is how the game is going to go. So we don't have to play, you know what I mean? Like we, we can just kind of do what we want to do. Sure. And so they just kind of settled for jumpers early. And after that first media timeout, uh, you could tell Coach K told them what they needed to be doing because that's when they started getting the ball inside and and uh, looking more for their t- touches in the paint. But I, th- I think it's kind of been the formula. You know, a lot of teams have tried, but a few teams have seven foot six Taco Fall who can who can stay in the middle and, and really alter shots. I thought Florida State in the ACC championship game tried to uh, tried to kind of pack it in the lane and make. Uh, Trey Jones specifically make him shoot, and in that game he did well. He scored a season high 18 points, and and obviously do cut down the net. So it's it's one of those things that's you know a lot uh, easier said than done. Uh, on, on any given uh, game, you know you could have kind of that wild card for Duke come through with the with a good shooting effort. Um, I think it's positive for Duke that Cam Reddish kind of got out of his his shooting slump and he's kind of been up and down with it all year so uh but to see him confidently take the three-pointer that that trimmed the what 74 70 lead down to one point um 
in the last two minutes of that game, that that was a huge step uh, for him and for Duke to see. Virginia Tech beat Duke in the last meeting in Blacksburg a few weeks ago. No Zion Williamson, but also no Justin Robinson as well. Kerry Blackshear had one of his best games of the year against the Blue Devils that night. Somebody was sending in a question on Twitter asking if Virginia Tech, and specifically Kerry Blackshear, um, had enough physicality and Virginia Tech had enough depth to prevent Duke from getting into the lane and whether or not the Hokies can be physical enough and put Zion on the foul line without him, you know, being comfortable and playing the way he wants to. I don't see it. (laughs) I mean, maybe they do, maybe they can, but I I wouldn't describe Virginia Tech as a physical team. Uh, You know what I mean? To begin with. So, um, I think it would be a bit out of character for for them to even uh, have a game plan towards that end. But uh, to me, it's it's more about what they can do offensively against Duke's defense, and and if they can uh, uh, if they can make threes, essentially, I think it's going to come down to how well they shoot it. But um, I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be another. Um, uh, you know, it could be a. a couple of possession kind of games coming down to the stretch. Uh, because Justin Robinson, obviously people will focus in that Zion wasn't in, uh, wasn't uh, playing when they lost in Blacksburg. But Justin Robinson means as much to Virginia Tech, um, if not more, than, than Zion. So, Did you write poetry back in the day, CL? Um, <clears throat> not really. I mean, if I had to for a class... <laughs> I would, but that's about it. See, me and Des, we, we've written poetry for, for women. We've written poetry. That, that, see, you got to try things when you're not that clever. So poetry is the way that we went. <laughs> um, but since we were talking about philosopher Nas, somehow we ended up in a place where we were talking about poetry and haikus. And our intern, Aaron, actually impressed us a ton with his ability to put together great poems with college basketball in mind. So... We challenged him to put something together in this segment. He's turning down the lights, which, I mean, it's radio. It's a visible. It's not a, a visual uh, a medium here, uh, intern Aaron. But he turned down the lights. He's ready to go. Give us your best slam poetry poem for C.L. Brown that has UNC basketball in mind. I'll call this one Zion Weep. My sham classes are going so swell I threw my textbooks down in a well Taking a walk down Franklin Street My chest filled with pride after a regular season Duke sweep Zion weep Zion weep (laughs) Snaps for that? What do you think, CL? my finger on that one. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Well, CL, uh, where are you going to be this week? What coverage can we expect from The Athletic? I will be up in uh, D.C. with Duke in the uh, East Regional Finals. And uh, I wrote a story on The Athletic today. If you want to check it out, it's about uh, the culture of Duke's locker room changing from the past few years where it's been like a NBA weight station to 
this year the guys are kind of just enjoying themselves and enjoying being in college. Yeah, and also Brian Hamilton had an excellent story on Kobe White, too. So it's Duke, it's North Carolina, and all the bases being covered. Our early afternoon host, David Glenn, had something going Roy Williams last week, too. There's a lot of stuff you can find on all things March Madness, and CL's an integral part of that. CL, look forward to talking to you next week. Well, There will only be four teams left when we talk next week. All right, you have a good one. You got it. That's CL Brown. CL Brown Hoops on Twitter.